Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, we're going to have live this afternoon coming up at 2.30 our time, 4.30 Ottawa time. So about 90 minutes from now, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau holding a press conference where he's expected to announce that the federal government is invoking the Federal Emergencies Act uh, to give the government some additional powers and tools to deal with the ongoing protests and blockades in various parts of the country. Now, we're more than two weeks into all of this. And interestingly, we saw over the weekend some movement uh, in Windsor with the Ambassador Bridge. Looks as though we're starting to see movement here in Alberta and dealing with the situation around Coop. Is this necessary? I mean, how is this going to help this situation? I guess there's a a broader question here uh, that does this situation rise to the level of a national emergency that justifies invoking the act? So there's some important questions that the government's going to need to address if this is the path we're going down. Now, to be clear, and I've seen some describe this as the War Measures Act, that Justin Trudeau was invoking, much like his father did more than 50 years ago. We do not have the War Measures Act. The War Measures Act hasn't existed for more than 30 years. The Emergencies Act is different in some significant ways, which uh, our next guest can can help us better understand. So, uh, yes, those questions, is this justified and how does it help us address this situation? Well, joining us this afternoon is Dr. Leah West, Assistant Professor and Associate Director of Admissions and Recruitment at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University, an expert on national security law. Dr. West, great to have you with us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Let's start with uh, that change in 1988 where the War Measures Act was repealed, the Federal Emergencies Act was brought in. The the latter has not been used since then, but how how does it differ from the War Measures Act, first of all? Um, It differs in two significant ways. Um, One is there are far more checks and balances on the invocation of the act. And any measures imposed on it specifically have to comply with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, which wasn't a thing um, when the War Measures Act was drafted. Um, And the other thing is that it kind of it's more circumscribed in the in the powers that it gives the the government. So instead of just having a laundry list of powers when there's an emergency, it defy it defines four different types of emergencies and then says the government can have certain powers that are appropriate to that type of emergency to to counteract the emergency. So it's much more narrowly tailored um, to the type of emergency that you're trying to deal with. So it, it does mm-hmm. narrow what the government can do. And then in all of that, there's a lot of checks and balances in terms of how long they can last, what you have to do in order to actually, um, you, know, you know, parliament has to sign on, it has to be reviewed, et cetera. So, um, it's much more um, it's much more circumscribed than the War Measures Act was, which makes sense because the War Measures Act was enacted, you know, during World War One. <laughs> right. Now, specifically with regard to the the Canadian forces, because I understand it's the National Defense Act that that deals with the deployment uh, of of Canadian forces. If we're going to use those those resources to intervene in the situation we're, we're dealing with now, but I, I think there are some logistical support issues that maybe the the Emergencies Act does touch on. To what extent does this bring the military into the, to the the picture? 
It doesn't at all, really. Mm-hmm. The Emergencies Act isn't a prerequisite or um, necessary precondition for um, deploying the military. So the military is deployed either under the National Defense Act, either for public service. So, um, you know, if they wanted, you could argue um, there could be public service type, you know, logistics and support type reasons to have them deployed now. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how we've seen them used in long-term care homes, for example, with uh, COVID. Or it can be used in aid to the civil power. And that's really used... um, as we would saw back in, in the 70s, um, you know, when you have military assisting law enforcement, um, the type of thing we saw, saw with OCA crisis, right, um, where they're really there more as um, enforcement to quell riot and disturbances. Both of that's done under the National Defense Act. There's also some common law powers that would allow for that as well. Um, but the Emergencies Act doesn't say anything about deploying the military for this type of emergency that we're dealing with now, um, and isn't it, it's not necessary to declare a national emergency in order to have the military out. I mean, we've seen the military out in all kinds of ways during the pandemic, and we we didn't declare the pandemic a national emergency. Right. All right. So in terms of, of meeting the thresholds, is that a subjective call that, that the government makes or is there some requirement on them to to justify that this situation right now meets the threshold of emergency, national emergency under this legislation? Yeah. So there are two thresholds that they have to, to meet. So they have to meet the definition of, of national emergency, um, which there's two ways you can do that. Um, one is by saying that um, these activities seriously endanger the lives, health, or safety of Canadians beyond the capacity of any one province to deal with. I, you know, that made sense in the in the COVID kind of situation. I don't think we could say that here. Um, I know that in Alberta today there were arrests um, related to um, armed individuals, but that to me is a signal that the province is capable of dealing with it. Um, then there's also the the other. The other definition of national emergency is something that seriously threatens the ability of the government of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada. So if that's the threshold that the government's relying on, they're saying that these protests threaten the ability of our government to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada. I think that that is kind of a remarkable thing to suggest, but that's what the government is going to have to support um, in, in in tabling this emergency. And they also have to prove that there's no other law of Canada that can effectively deal with this crisis. On top of that, to declare a public order emergency, they have to say that this national emergency stems from a threat to the security of Canada. Well, that sounds rather ambiguous, but it's actually a defined term. It's defined in the CSIS Act and includes only four things. So foreign influence, subversion, terrorism, or espionage and sabotage. Well, I know that there has been foreign money coming in to support um, the protesters. Um, I question whether or not, and again, it's going to be up for the government to explain to us why they think this threshold has been met, and perhaps the government has information and intelligence that we don't have in the public. Um, but how does how is this national emergency caused by a threat from terrorism, espionage, foreign influence, or subversion. And subversion, I should say, has to be violent, an attempt at violent overthrow of the government. So, yeah. again, I, I, no, are we there? 
does this actually meet that criteria? I'd like to see evidence of that. Um, and the government in tabling the emergency will have to specify why they think the emergency has been met. Well, and, and with the arrests in Alberta today and, you know, police describing a, a faction within these protesters that were, you know, digging in, anticipating or planning for some violence, maybe that gets things a little bit closer to, to that T word. But at the same time, it shows that RCMP are, are already dealing with the situation. Yeah, and capable of handling it at their mm-hmm. level. Yeah, um, within Alberta. You know, as mentioned, we saw over the weekend, it took a while, maybe longer than, than some people had wanted to, but the Ambassador Bridge has, has been reopened. So it gets back to that point where you know, the federal government has to argue that, that our current laws aren't sufficient to deal with the situation that, that does kind of fly in the face of what's unfolding right now, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I just say, like, all of the powers that the feds get, right, this ability to, as you were kind of talking about earlier, declare certain areas, no-go areas, order people to do provide certain services the provincial government got all of that when it declared a national public emergency um under its provincial um emergency act so the province of ontario could do all of those same things and it hasn't right we haven't seen doug ford order tow truck drivers to move vehicles he could under the provincial emergencies act management act but has not so um it, I, I find it striking for the province, because Doug Ford has come out in support of this, to essentially say, I have the power and the authority, but I'm not going to do it. I'd prefer the feds to do it, mm-hmm. which um, is striking to me. <laughs> well, and are, are those powers quite similar in terms of the, the declaration of a state of emergency by the Premier of Ontario invoking the Federal Emergencies Act by the federal government? Do we see a lot of overlap in terms of, of powers there? Yes, we do. Basically, um, they're the exact same types of things. It's just Mm -hmm. now at the federal level rather than at the provincial level. And we saw the provincial government invoke the Emergencies Act quite successfully around Toronto, around the legislature all weekend, designating certain areas, no-go areas, saying it was a violation of the Emergencies Act to to block um, pedestrian roadways, etc. And it was enforced... Um, to great success. And we saw the same thing happening down in Windsor around the bridge. Um, We haven't seen it done in Ottawa. Um, And the other thing I'll say is that, you know, you don't need new regulations to say what the protests are doing is unlawful, right? (laughs) What they're doing is already a violation of all kinds of criminal code provisions and um, um, bylaws as well. Um, it's not a matter of what they're doing not be illegal so the government, so the police can't do anything. What they're doing is unlawful. It's a matter of enforcement, and it's in the problem of enforcement. So I don't know how much adding new regulations at the federal level will really change all of that, um, other than the RCMP will now have kind of jurisdiction to enforce those federal re- regulations. But the RCMP are already on the ground enforcing and could be helping to enforce the Provincial Act, and the Criminal Code. Even if the, the use of this legislation, this act, isn't justified, you know, clearly there are some national security concerns and implications with these blockades, maybe even yeah. this movement. Where, where does this rank in, in your view and what you've seen over the last few weeks in terms of national security priorities? Um, I think it is obviously significant um, from the sense that um, we have seen movements, right-wing movements, try and co-opt, um, you know, a more p- 
popular movement, right? And, and it has had an impact. Um, and I'm not an expert on social movements or anything, but, you know, to have a group of people who have strong grievances with the government, and some of that can kind of be co-opted by more right-leaning, more right-extremist groups for their purposes is is definitely a threat and one that we have seen the national security establishment be talking about since COVID started, really. It's, it's um, you know, we're actually finding kind of seeing the physical manifestations of that rather than just kind of the online rhetoric and movement and dissent. Um, so obviously, you know, that is, that is a future risk. Um, and, and there is obviously the risk that these people feel um, very grieved against the government. And if you do crack down hard, and I suspect this is why Ottawa hasn't gone in, is that you could see significant violence, right? I, mm-hmm. I was involved in G20 and G8 um, back in Toronto back in the day, right? And the first day, um, people were largely left to do whatever they wanted, and it got violent. And on the second day, there was a crackdown. And I think because of what they'd been entitled to do the first day, that crackdown was even more harsh and significant and resulted in you know, significant violence and harsh measures. Um, so part of the problem is not managing this from the outset and it resulting in this kind of entrenchment in Ottawa yeah. that now to try and move that could lead to, to real violence, could lead to individuals trying to take advantage of that for violent ends, for their more extreme purposes than what I do believe most protesters are down in on Wellington and Ottawa trying to achieve. Absolutely. Great point. So we'll leave it there. See what uh, we hear from the prime minister just over an hour from now. Uh, Leah West, some great insight. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. All the best. Uh, that's uh, Dr. Leah West, uh, national law, uh, national security law expert, assistant professor at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. So she's not convinced that it really makes sense for the federal government to invoke the National Securities Act. Is this maybe political at some level? The prime minister wanting to show that he is taking a stand, that he's being decisive. Does he want his own just watch me moment like his, his father once had? I'm not sure. Like I say, 2.30 this afternoon, just over an hour from now, the Prime Minister is set to speak, and we will have that live. Much more to get to here, including more time for your phone calls. 403-974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.